Welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast. Today, we're really excited. So we've, we've got author, teacher, and real estate investing expert Edna Keep on the show. Before we uh, dive in this interview, let's talk about Priced.com real quick, guys. Priced is a powerful online web application that simplifies the acquisition process for real estate direct mail marketing campaigns. Price provides research tools and enables you to identify locations to mail, price your data, analyze over 1 million comps, pull owner records, and scrub your data to produce a ready-to-mail campaign list. So head on over to price.com forward slash casual Fridays REI to start your seven-day free trial and get discounted prices today. That's P-R-Y-C-D dot com forward slash casual Fridays REI. Happy Friday, sir. Hey, happy Friday. Man, it's exciting day today. We have Edna Keepin from Canada. Yeah, you're going to really be able to tell she's Canadian, too. I've already heard her say a boot, I think, maybe once. <laughs> and I'm hoping we get an A, because I love I love the accents. There's, there's two accents I love in the world. It's Australian and Canadian, and I, and I love both of those. And we get to deal with a successful real estate entrepreneur today. And it's a little bit shifted gear since we typically talk land, and we we like to expand the 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 knowledge base of our, our listeners. We get to bring in somebody who specializes in multifamily and single-family rentals using other people's money. And that's amazing to me because not all of us have enough money to go buy an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. That's right. So welcome to the show, Edna. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It's my pleasure. Awesome. So tell us who you are so our listeners are on the we, – we got to know you beforehand, but we, we want to – on the edge of their seat, they want to know who Edna Keep is. Sure. Well, you know, I, I always kind of talk a little bit about my background because uh, it, it, it inspires people, I think. I was a single mom at age 16, a minimum wage job, uh, subsidized housing, my daughter in subsidized daycare, and now I'm a multimillionaire real estate entrepreneur and coach. How does that, hold on, I'll stop you right there. How does that feel to say that? Like when you say <laughs> oh, that, I'm a multimillionaire, like I, you I, love I, saying it now, huh? I do. It, it feels so good because, you know, for years... I, I, I kind of felt limited in, in my options, what I was going to be able to do in my life. I, I finished high school, but no university or anything like that. And um, I, I like to inspire people that, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter what your background is. If you have a desire to do better and be better, you absolutely can do it, you know. Yeah. And we're, we're meant to grow. We're, we're, meant, we're meant to expand and stuff like that. And, and you just got to find something that, uh, that really interests you. And, and fortunately for me, it was real estate. I was a financial advisor for 15 years. Um, but when I was introduced to real estate, I had to actually sell my financial advising practice because I couldn't sell mutual funds anymore. It was like, don't believe in that stuff anymore now that I understood <laughs> real estate, right? And, uh, and a lot of people gave me flack, you know, family and, and friends and stuff. Oh, who's stupid enough to leave a 250000 a year job? That was pretty cushy at the time. Like I worked about three days a week and, oh, wow. and, uh, and want to go take on a new venture. But it's paid in spades many, many times over. I'm so happy we made the change. Well, what was it that made you want to leave that? I mean, 250 a year, three days a week, that sounds pretty cush to me. Yeah. 
You know, I once when we first of all we got into real estate by accident. One of our uh, one of my clients actually was coming in and explaining, you know, what was happening in the market. They were wanting to take some of their money out of their mutual funds to invest in real estate. And I'm saying, are you crazy? Why would you want to invest in an asset class that pays you like three percent a year? And they started explaining to me what I didn't know. Uh, but, you know, they, they suggested I actually take some classes. So I, I started with some rich dad training. And, and, you know, once I understood real estate, I just couldn't, I couldn't sell mutual funds anymore. Didn't believe in them. Didn't make sense. Never bought another one. Never bought another uh, investment in the stock market since. Um, so, so that was basically the reason why I could just really see the opportunity that I had in real estate, um, in dealing with investor capital, helping other people invest in real estate at the same time as helping myself. Wow, that, I hear that story though, and I, I think subsidized housing, subsidized daycare, but going from minimum wage to the 250,000 part, I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself that most of those people you probably worked with at that time, they were, that that was the dream for them. And then you got there and realized, hey, I want something different, like you completely shifted gears. And to me, that's the, that's the story almost never gets told it's like that that first come up and then once you get a taste of success your that drive is there now you're like anything is possible i've already done it once i can do it again yeah that's then that was the feeling i went in with because you're exactly right adam when i when i went from i i was you know minimum wage jobs at the beginning office clerk and and then i did some self-study and became an office administrator and it was while I was working as an office administrator, because I never had the luxury to give up one job and go to another. Yeah. I had to always build something on the side. So I started my financial planning uh, part-time. And the boss I had at the time actually made a mandatory pension plan at work that they all had to contribute to me. So I had an instant 100 clients. Um, nice. and, and when I left there, uh, they were kind of heartbroken because I worked there for eight years, loved them. But they, they also knew that I had some ambition that, uh, that I, was, I was meant to, to go for larger things. And um, I was earning 43000 a year at that job. And again, my family especially, single mom, not that smart, C student, what do you think you're doing? Why would you leave such a good job? You work. And again, I built it up to four days a week. I took that last day in. Uh, Friday and Saturday and worked on my other business and they said why would you leave something so good they love you you like it you know and I said well because I want more I want I want better and, and again I had a whole bunch of black saying uh, you know well, I don't know why you would even think about doing that but the first year I went full-time into financial advising I made 67,000 the second year I made 187,000 and that was the big catalyst. Like, you know, when you go from that shift, that was huge for me. Really, really huge. And um, I, I just felt like on top of the world, like to be able to go for that much of an income shift in one year. Yeah. You, you held Thanksgiving dinner or the holiday season at your house that year, didn't you? <laughs> you betcha. I still do every year. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. So what was the journey like going from financial advisor to uh real estate investor did you already <clears throat> had you already purchased an apartment or had you what tell us that journey well uh we were introduced we took our first um three-day training session in june of 2007 and that's when we were kind of uh, introduced to the whole overview on all the different ways you can be involved in real estate lease options and rent to own and buy and hold and the burr strategy and like all these strategies 
And um, so, so we start, we signed up, 27,000 US, and, and we started taking the training, yeah, doing all the stuff. Um, but one of the big things for us is we actually ended up partnering with somebody else that had been in the group, had done the training about two years prior to what we did in our hometown. And um, they took a lot of our fear away because we were kind of scared of everything. We were scared mm-hmm. of tenants and toilets and financing and, and just fearful. And they'd been down that road. I think they had like 20 houses by the time we met them. And just realizing they were no smarter than us. They just just were doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So we partnered with them and started building. And within 18 months, we owned 50 doors. So the wow. first ones were, you know, condos and houses then duplexes. Then we bought a whole bunch of duplexes in a year. And then our, our last purchase to push us to the 50 doors was a 24-unit apartment building. And how we got that was I was sitting in front of a realtor telling him our goal. We were going to buy 20 houses that year. He said, Edna, why don't you just buy an apartment building? I said, oh, I can't do apartment buildings. I don't own enough houses. You know, a lot of people think like that. I don't own enough houses yet. (laughs) Must have played Monopoly too much as a kid. Um, And he said, no, no, it doesn't work like that. He said, you guys got the net worth. You, You know, you've already got some houses. You've got the experience. He says, you absolutely could. And I said, well, what would it take? And he said, well, we just, uh, he says, I actually happen to have a 24 unit for sale. It's not even like on MLS yet, but it's here and it's being listed tomorrow. Why don't you, um, why don't you go take a look at it? So I said, okay, write up the offer. I said, what will it take to, to get this under contract? And he said, it'll take asking price because we're in a pretty uh, hot market at that time. So I said, okay, write it up. I'm going to go drive by. The place was only about six blocks from where the realtors were. I came back, signed the papers. Uh, and a couple of days later, our partners with the houses were coming back from a convention in Vegas. And we phoned them or texted them while they were on the airplane saying, come over as soon as you come to town. And they got in and we said, hey, if we got a 24 unit under contract, uh, would you guys partner with us on it? And they went, wow, we were just at a convention where we set a goal that we wanted to add 20 new units in one year. And we we did it in one deal. You know, so again, lots of excitement. We were so excited. And uh, and we bought that uh, 24 unit at $75,000 a door. And in our area now, uh, that same building would probably be going for $120 a door. So how'd you take that down? What was the financing structure like on that? Did y'all use other people's money? That's how where that came in? We did. Yeah, yeah. right from the start we did. And, you know, uh, that was that was in the time, remember, when U.S. was going through that real crisis of uh, financing and all their buildings were going into foreclosure and stuff? We actually were working with the U.S. company to finance the deal because um, the, the rents at the property were not that great. They were on average about 425 a door. And in our area, the, the minimum for that size, uh, building or that two bedroom apartments, cause they were mostly two bedrooms was 850 a door. Wow. So, um, buying it with only 425 rent, uh, there, <clears throat> the traditional lenders in Canada only wanted to give us 50%. And we were working with a lender based out of the U S that would have given us 75 but right in the middle, they, they closed their doors. They all of a sudden weren't taking our calls. And so we scrambled. Um, we had already raised, uh, I think, like 30% of the money. 
uh, but we scrambled and got vendor financing at the last minute and got 50% uh, financing only on that building. But within a very short period of time, we increased the rents. Uh, they were closer to $1,000 a unit by the time we took possession. So we were able to refinance out and get our investors paid off. Wow. That takes the value when you raise each door that much. It raises the value of the place so high. That sounds like a home run. It was huge. Yeah, wow. really huge. So I'm, I'm replaying the story you just gave us, and I, I heard take action. I heard don't be scared to partner with people that may have done it a little bit longer and know better. You didn't, it sounds like you didn't get greedy on your first couple of deals. Like you got involved, you got with people that had done it, and everybody made money together. So that abundance mentality that you hear at so many conventions or so many like wealth seminars that people talk about. And I want to know, like, and, and if you can go back this far to me, when you met with that, because you talked about being in your wealth – your wealth. Uh, what was that called the when you were a finance manager and financial that, advisor yeah financial advisor sorry thank you um the the guy said a few things to you about real estate and it got you a picture interest what were the things that he said that got you peaked towards doors well he started talking about you know tenants paying off your mortgage which mm -hmm. i thought well that's cool somebody else paying off my mortgage that was yeah. a big one and then talking about buying cash flowing properties and how you could you know have all the expenses paid for by other people mm -hmm. and you got the equity you got the upside you got the leftover cash flow and all that kind of stuff so that was the kind of stuff that piqued me and the first guy was telling me that i knew he owned like 50 doors he had a full-time job at sastel i still remember and uh he he actually did some acquisitions within the company but he had like 50 doors he was managing all by himself and still working full-time and i thought well, wow, I could still work full time and own 50 doors. That, that'd yeah. be amazing. Um, so that was our first tweak, our first interest in it. So that, that 50 doors, it comes back because that sounded like that was your first year goal. Like, hey, we want to do 50 go doors. So that's where that number came from. It's, it's a reoccurrence of that I somebody think so, you talked to. You know, yeah. After we sat through the three day training, the, they kind of take you out, you know, out into the you know, hallway and, and discuss what your goals are. Mm -hmm. And they said to us, like, where, where would you like to see yourselves? And we thought, well, wow, 50 doors. We didn't care if it took us five, 10, 15 years. We thought 50 doors was like out there, so far out there, we couldn't even think any higher than that. Um, so he said, well, you know, you probably won't be able to do it by yourself. And so my husband and I kind of back and forth and, you know, should we, shouldn't we? And I said, well, who do you want to be like? This couple in here that everybody was talking about that own 20 doors in a year or like other people that we know that said, oh, don't take the training. They just want your money. It's just a crock. And, you know, they kind of told us all the negative sides. And I said, who would you rather be? And he, he agreed with me that we'd rather be like the couple owned 20 doors in a year. And we knew we'd have to pay the money to make it happen. Um, and it did. Nice. Very cool. And so <clears throat> let's talk about owner, uh, other people's money. You have a strategy right. around that because everything you do now going forward, it's all other people's money, right? Yeah. Well, one of the things we learned in my very favorite class that uh, the Kiyosaki group taught us was creative financing. And that's where we got to understand other people's money, like even for the down payment and everything like that, because we didn't know that that was a possibility either. We always thought we had to put our own money in. Uh, so our first two properties we bought because we had equity in our own property. And that's what we used. But the third property, we knew if we used our own money, we were done. We were dead in the water. We could, that was all we could do was those three. And so we, we uh, negotiated with the lady and we ended up uh, getting the full down payment back at uh, close. We put our money in, but then we got it back. 
and we paid her 6% interest on her money, uh, tied it up for a five-year period. We ended up paying her out early just because our property was cash flowing so high. Um, but that was our first one, using other people's money. And so, then we just took it from there and, and just kept kept doing it going forward. So I want to clarify that. When you used the seller's money and gave them 6% and they covered your down payment for you? Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a neat thing. We, yeah. we see that sometimes in land where you have big ranches that you want to do, maybe a subdivide with or some type of development play. And they've made money maybe through a pipeline or some oil drilling. And they have a ton of equity. Or it was passed down generationally. And so that we'll give them the asking price and we offer a percentage rate against that money. So they know they're getting a payment and you give them a decent down payment in, in return for that. So, you know, you did that on, on the, the house side or the apartment side. That's a pretty neat little way to get started there. Yeah, it, well, it was. And, and you know what? This is what she told me when we did that, too, because we kind of negotiated back and forth, you know, lowball offers and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Finally, we said to her, you know what? We're willing to give you full asking price if you'll... Uh, uh, invest with us and become our investor for the down payment. She said, well, tell me how that works. So we explained how it worked. And we said we would offer a 6% interest on her money. And you know, she said, she goes, after she understood it, because it took a little explaining, she said, you know what? I'm going to win twice on this deal. First yeah. of all, I get my asking price. And and you're going to pay me 6% interest on my money? Absolutely, yeah. I'm in. And and it was, it was, you know, back and forth a bit. But once she understood it totally made sense. Yeah, that's and that's the fun part about the term creative financing is you get to be creative and you can almost come up with any solution that works for both people to make it a win-win situation. Yeah, it is. And you know what? That's one of the things I teach my students too. You know, first of all, you decide what you want. If you need more cash flow, then maybe you take less ownership. You know, you want more of a wealth building strategy. For us, we, we already had good incomes, my husband and I, so we weren't looking at... Um, increasing cash flow right away we were more looking at wealth building so we took higher percentage ownership positions but some of my students they take a lower percentage and get a asset management fee up front so you can really design it however you need it to be for your lifestyle yeah would you say all your deals are syndications like you go out and you find investors now to put money up for you or nowadays yeah yeah that's how we do it now yeah so how are you finding um any tips or tricks on finding people to invest in these syndications? Yes. The number one way that we find investors is by education. Uh, so we educate people. And I tell my students, you know what, even as you're just learning from me and you're new or fairly new, start telling people what you're learning. Like, don't keep it a secret. Uh, lots of people, they've got that non-abundance attitude. Oh, if I, if I teach somebody this, they'll steal it from me. No. I teach them that they should be sharing whatever they're learning just to create curiosity and get, get people to follow them. So they get, get people interested because you know what, there's a ton of people out there interested in investing in real estate, but they don't know how, they don't, can't imagine how they can do it without you know, putting in all this time and all this. Well, you, you're going to offer them an opportunity. And a lot of people, when they're first starting out, they have this mentality that, uh, oh, you've got all the money and it's just poor little old me and what do I have to offer? They got to switch that around. And first of all, nobody's going to invest poor, with poor little you who has no money and no experience. You got to get experience. You got to get around people who are your power team uh, so you're not doing trying to do everything by yourself. And that, that 
experience uh, floats over to you. So you can go out to investors and confidently say, I have a deal that you might be interested in. It, and, and I have an opportunity for you, not a, oh my gosh, I need some money. You know what I mean? You know, it's a total, it's a mindset shift that people have to adopt. And so your coaching now does concentrate on some mindset work. What's one of your favorite totally. things or piece of advice for somebody that's starting out or they're wanting to shift gears from one asset class to the other on mindset? What, what would you tell them? Well, uh, mindset is something, first of all, that you're working at throughout your whole life. So I would say new level, new devil. You know, every time you're wanting to go from one level to another, you need to, need to make a mindset shift. So you have to be around like-minded people to make that happen. If you're around people every day that are telling you, you're crazy, you can't do that, people get burnt all the time, it, you, you are never going anywhere. So you have to be around like-minded people and, and you have to have a coach too, you know what? We, we couldn't have done what we did without having um, partners and coaches and, and training. We just couldn't have. It, it was impossible. And then the other thing people need to let go of is having to be able to do everything else, everything on their own. Yeah. Um, when we would go back to conventions and we had 50 doors and other people hadn't even bought three or four, they would say, what, what are you doing? What are you doing so different? Well, the biggest thing we did different is we hired professional managers right from the start or partnered with people who had the skills we didn't because we didn't have all those times in a day. But, you know, we found lots of people that decided, well, I'm going to property manage my own deal and save myself a hundred bucks. Well, in reality, they didn't save themselves a hundred bucks. They cost themselves millions and millions of dollars by saving themselves a hundred bucks, they call that stepping over, you know, dollar bills to pick up dimes makes no sense. Yeah. We, we see that as well. We'll see guys, that, guys and girls are uh, clients that'll, they'll list their properties themselves versus just hiring somebody and paying their percentage. It's a professional to do it. And they take on that task of answering a hundred phone calls over a piece of property when they could be out getting more deals or putting that money to work for them and just letting a professional do what they're good and tapping into their resources because they're a professional for a reason. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and then it gives you time to also study what you want to learn. If you're in the trenches doing your own toilets and caulking your own windows and, and uh, you know, answering your tenant phone calls, you don't have time to expand beyond four doors. That's where I've seen people again and again. They were stuck at four doors because they did all that stuff by themselves. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of times you started off with the Kiyosaki group. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and so now you 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 are the educator right now, right? You have your own program or your own education. Yeah, and it's centered around a finding apartments or raising money or both. Both. So oh. so it's really a whole system because the one thing that I find with a lot of education groups, and it, and it was the same with us, you're inuated with all the opportunities and all as you guys know, like there's a million ways to make money in real estate, mm-hmm. and you have to pick one. I mean, you can eventually be doing several, but you have to pick one to really get good at it. And we didn't, we, once we focused on multifamily and raising capital, those were kind of our two strengths. We, that's where we really started to, to excel. Because at first, like I said, we did lease options, rent to own, and, you know, Burr, and like just a whole bunch of different things. Um, and it was good. I'm glad we did that to get us to focus in on what we wanted. But yeah, a person has to focus on, on what they want to do and, and really 
get get that under their belt before they start running off doing 150 other things. So Edna, you, you said at the beginning, I went from minimum wage to multi-millionaire investor. I want to give you a second to give us the big flex. Multi-family, what's your portfolio worth right now? Six, six, uh, 65 million, 600 doors. 600 with doors, 65 million bucks. So that's yeah. it. We, I want to throw some like magnitude in there for you because I think that's amazing. Now, Adam hit on it, raising capital or, or um, finding multifamily. You said we do both because that's where our strengths were, and that's really where we accelerated. And you went from minimum wage to $65 million portfolio right now, 600 doors. I think that's amazing. Um, so if people wanted to reach yeah, out to let you. Me, let me, go ahead. I want to just add, add one thing, Adam, because this stuff is something that really blows me away. So when I said minimum wage, so back in when I was in minimum wage, it was 1200 bucks a month. Now oh, wow. I get rent of 1200 bucks a month, maybe not 1200 on all of them, but let's say on average from 600 doors. Oh, you get 600 powerful? minimum wage people working for you now <laughs> at all times. That's amazing. And they, <laughs> and they appreciate every year a little bit more, you know, and, and you get to receive exactly. some kind of depreciation on tax yeah. incentives and things like that. So. I mean, it's amazing. So if people wanted to reach out to you, know a little bit more about you, Edna, how can they get a hold of you? You know, they can, uh, my uh, email address is edna at ednakeep.com. My website is ednakeep.com. And, uh, you know, if they search me out there, they'll find, uh, they'll find out more about my program. I have, um, I have a 45 minute online training that I like people to go through. And if it's, if it interests them, then I encourage them to book a call with me and, and like a discovery call to see if it's something for them. And, uh, I'll give you the link for that. So you have it, but it's, it's, um, my course is called 90 days to 5k. And the premise there is in 90 days, it's going to, you're going to know exactly what it takes for you to be making 5,000 a month in cash flow income from your properties. And most of my students are doing it within six to 18 months. Wow. Okay. Oh, cool. I like the expectation out there that sits there because that's where so many new investors get lost in, in education is they don't know what to expect, when to expect it. They're, they start to uh, rate themselves against the home run that they see at the convention versus what's really going on. And that sounds like a definitely a realistic goal. Well, that, and that was our goal to begin with. We thought, wow, if we could do 5000 a month. And and I find with most people, and if you guys have ever played that uh, Robert Kiyosaki game, Cashflow 101. No, we never played it. In no. the rat race, have you ever played that? Uh -uh. Oh, it's a great I know, game. We know of it. I've race, heard of it. Going round and round. Yeah. Then, yeah. then you flip the board game and you're out of the rat race. <sighs> that is no. such an amazing feeling on the game. And yeah. it's the same thing in real life. Oh, perfect. Great. Well, I know it was really nice having you on the show. It was great meeting you. Great to talk to you. Um, Same here. We'll put your uh, link out for everyone to check out. And that is it. Got any final words? No, we're good to go. All right, guys, that's it. It's Friday. We hope you have a great day. Go check out Edna, um, ednakeep.com. And as always for us, go to Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and then go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to wherever else you're listening to us, like, rate, review, and subscribe, subscribe to the show. We appreciate it. Love you. See you next Friday. See you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me.